five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Flint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this, what is it, Wednesday morning? We're doing it a couple of days late, mostly because there's not a game to recap. We're more so focusing on LSU and doing more of a preview this week, maybe talking a little bit about what happened during the bye week and what fans can expect. But it's mostly going to be focused on LSU. But how are we doing on this Wednesday morning, Jimmy? Doing awesome. We're uh, we're in the stretch drive, man. I mean, this is it. This is you know, it, it, you know, with the playoff ranking show, you know, last night, just a reminder that uh, now it now it's for real. Now we're going to we're close to a verdict on this season. And uh, whether we make the playoff or not, my mind comes down to the next two games. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's uh, were you kind of shocked by LSU's ranking? I mean, in some ways, I guess it makes sense considering what they just did to Ole Miss. And if you got Ole Miss number 11, maybe you should have LSU ranked ahead of them. Uh, but at the same time, LSU has two losses, including one to Florida State, which is, you know, not not a very good loss. So what were your thoughts on LSU being ranked in the top 10? It certainly met, creates a lot more drama for this weekend. But did you think that was a, an adequate reflection of the way they played this year or the way they're playing right now? Uh, initial surprise. When I saw 11 through 15 and LSU wasn't in it, I was like, wow, LSU's, you know, number 10. And and. And it's one of these things in retrospect makes some sense. I, I didn't anticipate it uh, going in. Uh, I'd assumed there would be 12, 13, somewhere in there. But, okay, so they lose to the number one team. Can't really ding somebody for that. Uh, the loss to Florida State is what got them dinged. But at the same time, they didn't really lose 42-7 in that one. I mean, they really had that game won. It was freak circumstances that allowed them to lose. I'm sure most of the vote, uh, the, the committee, uh, saw that game because it was on Labor Day, you know, night, uh, first weekend of the season. LSU is a much different team since then. Uh, you know, when I went over LSU's uh, season uh, this week on the Talk of Champions board and went through it game by game, I, I was more and more impressed by them. Uh, I, you know, when you go through it game by game, because it's not just like they've won six of the eight. They've impressively won several of these games and Jaden Daniels in particular has been uh very consistent in terms of uh impressive numbers week to week yeah and I mean I also think that there's something to be said about week one right a lot of teams they don't really know exactly what it is that they have they're still trying to figure some things out you look at Georgia you know that that huge win over you know what was Oregon ranked number eight I mean they absolutely slaughtered right. them in that week one matchup but I don't think that the committee views Oregon today in the same way that they probably viewed them in week one. They were a completely different football team. Bo Nix was still figuring some things out. You know, I really thought the Ducks could be this year's version of Miami last year, where they start off with the top 15 ranking. They end up being a four-loss you know, team. I didn't think they'd be as bad as Miami was last year with the five All losses, right. but I, I thought they'll lose three or four games. What I didn't anticipate is getting the Bo Nix that we've been getting that completely changes the entire outlook of that team. You can't win consistently in college football, or at least not in my opinion, in a lot of these heavy-hitting matchups if you're not getting quality quarterback play. And, and against Georgia, you know, he was the the old Bo Nix, and he made some crucial mistakes. Really, it was, wasn't just him, but 
Uh, he certainly was a part of it. So, you know, you look at it from that angle, and Georgia comes in at number three, mostly in my opinion, because I don't think that the committee views that Oregon win as impressive as they probably should, because even though it's a, a slaughtering of a top 10 team, it was uh, the week one. And then week one, you know, LSU loses. I don't think they really hold that against them maybe as much as they should have or would. You know, so I think that that's something to keep in mind when when trying to determine how the committee views some of these things. Week one's a, a completely different beast, especially in today's college football, where you've got, you know, not only new coaches, but you've got transfer portal and you just, I mean, old Miss, no one knew what they were going to be. They could either be really good, they could be really bad. Um, they're, they, they look like they're really good, but at the same time, I don't think they're necessarily as good as their ranking reflects, even though I think next week's matchup, regardless of what happens this weekend, is going to be extremely tough for Alabama. So don't get me wrong there. Just, uh, you know, I also think they've had a, a little bit of an easy schedule, which has aided them in that current number 11 ranking. But, you know, keeping the focus on LSU, and you talk about Jaden Daniels, uh, what about his game maybe has stood out to you as you've gone back and kind of reflected? You were talking a little bit about some of his performances and how well he's done. What has kind of stood out to you about, you know, Jaden Daniels? Uh, overall production and throwing it more efficiently than uh, I assumed he might. Now, I was a Jaden Daniels fan when he was at Arizona State. I mean, in terms of what the handful of times I watched Arizona State games when he was a starting quarterback there, I felt he was a good player. I wasn't sold on him as a Heisman guy or a first-round pick, but thought, man, this is a quality quarterback, and, and now, now he's pro- playing on a better team, uh, playing against tougher opponents defensively anyway. Uh, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. And, and then there was a big competition where, you know, uh, whether he was going to beat out Miles Brennan or Garrett Nussmeyer. And I, I just wasn't sure what to expect from Jane Daniels. But when you look at nothing but the numbers each and every week, I mean, an efficient passer, an explosive athlete capable of rushing for 100 yards each week out. Uh, I think he's comparable to Hendon Hooker. Now, I'm not saying he is Hendon Hooker. I'm not saying he should take Heisman votes away from from Hooker I'm just saying if everyone is impressed with Hendon Hooker as a passer and as a runner here's a guy in Jane Daniels doing it with less talent uh, at less tempo uh, he's just a good player and he's going to be hard to defend uh, I've talked about this a lot because I think it had a lot to do with the Tennessee loss and that is when you defend Jaden Daniels you probably have to use a spy every down uh, and, and you, you must do that or he will have a big game with his legs and maybe control the game and control possession and control, you know, make a lot of first downs or even big plays. So I think Lawson will, will be an assigned spot to Jaden Daniels. That means one less front seven defender who could uh, pass rush, who could drop into coverage, who you could use man to man on the back or the tight end. You're, you're taking a guy away from all that uh, and, and assigning him to the quarterback makes defending tough but that that's what happens when you play a quarterback as, as as gifted as that kid is yeah part of me thinks that there's a part of me that looks at that mississippi state game and the way that they deployed their personnel with that three two six and i think to myself you know that was out of necessity you know you've got justin the boy be out you've got jaheem otis you've got dj dell there's another part of me that wonders if it was specifically tested out for this type of game because if you have Dallas Turner out there playing off-ball linebacker who could maybe act as that spy instead of Deontay Lawson, then you're a lot more flexible whether they go tempo, 
whether they go, um, you know, with, with a more run heavy look, you're a lot more better off being able to move him around, put him on the line of scrimmage out there on the edge. Like you typically would dropping him back, having him spy the quarterback. I think he's got plenty enough athleticism to get sideline to sideline with him if he needed to. And so I wonder if, if that was kind of the goal and it wasn't really with LSU in mind, even though I think that that was probably, you know, that was definitely taken into consideration as well, but it's more Hendon hooker and how can you defend Tennessee, you know, moving forward without, you know, the back half of your defense against those receivers and against that scheme, you pretty much have to have six defensive backs out there. So how do you best utilize your front, the, the five guys that you do have in the box? Do you want to, you know, off true off ball linebackers and Deontay Lawson and Henry Toto and only have a three man, you know, front in the sense that you only got three bodies that can handle being on the line of scrimmage consistently? Or do you want to utilize it and have a guy like Dallas Turner and still be able to get four out there and kind of rotate between how you use him? So, I, you know, it's just something that's kind of crossed my mind a little bit. And I'll be curious to see if they end up implementing that at all or if that was just something that was, you know, Mississippi State specific and maybe it's something that we could see later on depending on, you know, a different offense that they faced. But you're you're 100% correct on Jaden Daniels. Uh, the guy's been phenomenal. I think over the last two games, he's averaging just under 300 yards passing, 82 and a half yards uh, on the ground, and he's had five touchdowns and zero interceptions through the air and six touchdowns on the ground. So, I mean, Jaden Daniels is playing like one of the best quarterbacks, not only on Alabama's schedule, but maybe in the country. Now, he's not up there with, you know, the elites of the elites, in my opinion, but he's certainly playing like, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the conference for sure. Yeah, I'm going to put something together a little later today on the Talk of Champions message board. Uh, I haven't started working on it, but it's kind of my main project for the day. I'm going to look at, you know, the top seven. And since there's 14 teams, I I think if you want to be competitive, you better have one of the seven best quarterbacks. So we're going to look at not reputation, not where you stand in the draft, but evaluating a quarterback based on numbers i'm going to look at yards pass i'm going to look at yards per attempt i'm going to look at touchdown to interception ratio total yards pass just looking at the numbers who are the seven best quarterbacks in the sec this season so far and uh you know what's exciting about the game saturday is uh before i even look at the numbers i can promise you bryce young and jane daniels are going to be in that seven yeah 100 percent. i mean i i would Certainly think that they would. Um, really, look- top, maybe top three. I mean, yeah, I mean, Hendon Hooker is going to be up there. Bryce Young, uh, Will Rogers is certainly going to be up there. Uh, right. Jaden Daniels, and then Stetson, you start. That's yeah. been got off to a great start. I don't think he's playing quite as well in the last two or three games as he did the first two or three. Yeah, that's one hundred percent correct. Yeah, Stetson will definitely be up there as well. And then you start talking about okay. You know, some of these guys that were hyped, you know, a Will Levis, an Anthony Richardson. I mean, those are guys, you know, even a Spencer Rattler. Are they truly top seven quarterbacks in the conference right now? KJ Jefferson probably would be that, you know, sixth or seventh guy. I don't even know how many we've picked, but I would probably put him up there. So, yeah, that that's actually super interesting. I'm excited to see what you come up with on that front because when I know. do these, Clint, I'm as excited as anyone else because I don't know. I mean, I, I literally go in with an open mind. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm anxious. I mean, I have a vague idea because it's not like I'm new to the numbers, but I've never really examined them and brought a calculator out, you know, and and looked at and and crunch numbers. Uh, I'm I'm as excited to do it as I hope you guys are to read it because I don't know how it's going to come out. I don't know where Bryce is going to rank. Maybe he's number one. 
Maybe he's number five. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I suspect Hendon Hooker will be number one, but uh, I, I won't know that for sure until I, until I really look at it. Yeah, and I mean, if you, you know, if you look at the numbers from that Tennessee-Alabama game, even though Bryce Young threw for more yards, you talk about the limited pass attempts that Hendon Hooker had and the production that he was still able to put up. What was it, five touchdown passes and, you know, well north of, I think, 350 yards, even though we he, I mean, he was averaging like, I mean, I want to say it was like 12 or 13 yards per attempt, if not more than that. I don't exactly remember off the top of my head, but point being, if you actually watched that game, I felt like Bryce Young was the better quarterback, but the numbers might tell a different story. So the numbers don't tell you everything, but guys who can do that consistently week over week, it doesn't matter what their skill set's like for the NFL. That That's for NFL teams to worry about. Right now, it's how do you operate the offense in which you're working with and, and in, and how effectively can you do that? And, and right now, Hendon Hooker, with, the, with Josh Heupel's offense, I mean, it is a match made in heaven, and, and they're doing some phenomenal things. So, yeah, I'll be very curious to see what you come up with. But you, you're right, Jaden Daniels is going to be up there as well. And what's interesting about it is I think even more so than Bryce Young last year, just the – the problems as far as that offense being handcuffed and the quarterback being handcuffed because of limited offensive line play. Bryce Young dealt with it a lot last year, even though we won the Heisman Trophy. I think that spoke to how special he actually was. Uh, I know for a fact that Bill O'Brien was a lot more limited in what he could ask his offense to do because they didn't have the time necessary to operate a lot of you know your long-developing stuff. Uh, when you did have that, it was essentially just, hey, take a quick drop, throw it up to Jamison and let him run underneath it. You know, that was kind of their – they didn't have a lot of long developing plays too much unless it was Bryce on scrambles, kind of like this year, even though I think the offensive line is much better. But Jaden Daniels is kind of dealing with the same issues. This offensive line for LSU has not been good. I think 26 sacks in eight games. And, you know, a lot of that did come against Tennessee when they had their starting left guard and their starting left tackle both out. But it, it's been a rough performance across the board. And they right now, I mean, Will Campbell, who has been their starting left tackle, he is back playing, and he's I think he's going to be a hell of a player one day. But he's also a true freshman. And then you got Emory Jones there at right tackle, another true freshman, top 100 prospect coming out of high school, big body guy, 6'6", 335. Uh, but he's allowed 18 pressures this year, you know, four sacks and only seven games that he's played. You know, the, two true freshman tackles, do you think that Alabama can dial some things up and get enough out of Will Anderson, Dallas Turner, and Chris Braswell to, you know, make life on Jaden Daniels uncomfortable? I would think so. And, and uh, you know, a, a real aggressive approach, I hope. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of people think that Alabama's pass rush approach to Tennessee was passive and more of a mush rush and containing hooker. I, I, I disagree somewhat. I mean, I get that people feel that way watching what happened. I don't really know that that was Alabama's plan. I think Tennessee blocked extremely well, and Darnell Wright, in particular, the right tackle, who's proving to be one of the best players in college football, uh, had a heck of a day against Will. Probably, frankly, made himself a lot of money that day. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Alabama can have a bigger day against LSU's offensive line they had against Tennessee. LSU's line, not as good. The freshman tackles. Uh, losing Will Campbell, one of their better players, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think they'd have a better day. If you have a spy, to me, it cuts down on the necessity of the mush rush, right? I mean, now it's like 
hey, you know, if the, if the rush doesn't get to him and Daniels takes off, hopefully Lawson has uh, tracked him well enough to, uh, to stop him at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I, I, I think there'll be an aggressive approach, and I do suspect Alabama will have a better day with the pass rush. Uh, as much as Jaden Daniels reminds me of Hendon Hooker, as much as Booty and the LSU receivers are a talented group like the Tennessee receivers, I don't think Alabama will struggle quite as much defensively in this game, uh, primarily because of that matchup, Alabama's pass rush versus their offensive line, as well as the fact LSU doesn't uh, play with the same tempo, that fast tempo that did not allow Alabama to substitute in Knoxville. They can substitute in Baton Rouge, Alabama more dangerous when they can get the 11 guys on the field they want based on down and distance and LSU's personnel. Right, yeah, I'm right there with you. And it wasn't just Will Anderson and Alabama's pass rush that struggled against Tennessee's offense. You know, B.J. Ojolari, which is, to me, one of the premier pass rushers in the SEC and maybe in college football, you know, plays for LSU. He's had 31 pressures in six games. He only had one against Tennessee. And I think that it's a combination of quality offensive line play. It's the fact that you have to kind of slow play Hendon Hooker make sure that he's not going to beat you, you know, too much with his legs, even though he had some success in that football game using his legs. In the other five games, that means that he's averaged six pressures per game in those other five, and then against Tennessee, he only had one. And he's one of the best pass rushers in college football, one of them. So it's not just Will Anderson. You know, this Tennessee offense is very difficult to defend. And is LSU's offense that difficult to defend? No, because especially when it comes to making pass rushers slow play things, because even though Jaden Daniels has a lot of dual threat ability, teams have been able to still generate a ton of sacks against them. And, and it's not just sacks, it's pressures. So I don't think that Alabama is going to have the same worry or concern going in as far as Jaden Daniels. You know, they will, you know, take his legs into account and stuff. But I don't think schematically and, you know, with Jaden Daniels' ability to throw the football, he's a good passer. He's certainly a dual threat. I think people throw that phrase around too much. Dual threat means that you're a threat with both your arm and your legs. There's a lot of times where they'll call a, a running quarterback, a Jalen Hurts from his freshman and sophomore year, they'll label him a dual threat. That's a running quarterback to me. He's not really too much of a threat with his arm. Jaden Daniels is a threat with his arm. Is he Hennon Hooker? No, I don't think he has that kind of deep touch accuracy. I don't think he's got the kind of command uh, that Hooker does, but at the same time, he's a really good quarterback and very effective. And he's got, you know, Brian Thomas, Jeray Jenkins, uh, you know, Kayshawn Butte, even though he hadn't had a phenomenal year, they started off, you know, using him a lot on the perimeter in the last, you know, three or four games, they've moved him inside. He's playing 90% of his snaps from the slot and his production is going up as a result. Malik neighbors is another one. They play him inside and out. They've got several options at receiver for their quarterback. And now you got Jack Beck who every Alabama fan should be familiar with him five catches for 33 yards and a touchdown last year. He's been dealing with shin splints early in fall camp, uh, missed a good bit of time, started the year slow, and then, you know, suffered a back injury against Florida. That's held him out the last couple of games, but he's expected to be back. Well, uh, I think their wide receiver crew just went over. It's comparable to Tennessee's. Uh, I, I think, you know, none of them have had the season that Jalen Hyatt's had. None of them may have the high end. Uh, impact that maybe a Cedric Tillman, who's 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 now back with the Tennessee core. Uh, so I, I don't know if the top of it's quite as good, but the depth of LSU's receiver core is outstanding. 
uh, the backs are, uh, it's another Josh Williams, John Emery, uh, uh, the, the kid from Alabama, Armani Goodwin. Uh, this is a good LSU team. I, I, you know, so many things look clear in retrospect, Clint. It's funny, we try to predict all spring and summer what's going to happen. And then, then, then you're a little off. And then, and then you're looking at what did happen, and you're like, how did we not see this LSU team coming? And that's kind of how I feel about them. I mean, uh, I know that it's not 2019 LSU. Even if they beat Alabama, I won't believe this is 2019 LSU or anything like that team. But they are good. They have a lot of good players, and we know they're well coached. Uh, uh, you know, Brian Kelly elicits different responses from different people, but it is just factual how many games he's won. He's, I believe the winningest coach in college football in terms of number of wins. He's either first or second. It's him and Saban. Uh, and, and that's because Brian Kelly won everywhere. He won in the MAC. He won Cincinnati. He won at Notre Dame. He's going to certainly win at LSU. Coaches have won at LSU that aren't. Can you guys imagine would, would less miles have won the games Brian Kelly won in the MAC and at Cincinnati and at Notre Dame? No, but he won at LSU. Brian Kelly's going to win big at LSU. He doesn't need 2019 LSU to win games there. Uh, he's too good of a coach. He's proven it now, and he's going to prove it Saturday. Uh, I, I'm going to predict Alabama's going to win this game, Clint, but uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. This is a good team that will play well, and they'll play smart, and it's a heck of a challenge. But if you want to win the West, you better be a good football team. Alabama's going to find out if they're good or not Saturday. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and here's the thing, you know, LSU, it was LSU in the West and it was Florida in the East for me. And these were teams that like, I could see them being really, really good or really, really bad. Like there was just such a wide range of possibilities. There were so many unknowns and the offensive line going into the year, I thought was a huge question mark for LSU. And that's continued to play out about like I thought that it would. Now, granted, when you're playing these young guys each and every week, they're getting better. And, and it's kind of trial by fire. You know, last year, Alabama elected, hey, let's not throw J.C. Latham out there at right tackle and have him go through these growing pains early. And maybe he would have became that guy by the end of the year. And now you've got Evan Neal and J.C. Latham at tackle. They elected to go with the, the veteran steady presence, you know, steady, I guess is what you would call it, in Chris Owens. And, you know, one thing about it, he had had how many years? Four years, five years already to – become what he was going to become so there really wasn't a ceiling what you were getting in game one was exactly what you were getting in game 15 lsu's taking a different approach mostly out of necessity but will campbell is going to be a much different player in games you know 11 12 13 than he was in game one it's the same for emory jones so yeah i do think that lsu and their offensive line showing a lot of improvement Really, they've they've showed us both extremes already this year, right? I mean, kind of on the low end, that was Florida State. Like, it was every bit as bad as I thought it could be for LSU. And then what you've seen in the last couple of weeks against Florida and Ole Miss, that's kind of everything that I thought that they could be if they hit that ceiling. And so it's been kind of crazy to watch, and that's why I don't really hold that Florida State game against them. I think they're a completely different team now. It's going to be in Baton Rouge. It's going to be at night. That, that stadium's going to be rocking. Alabama has not handled road pressure very well. And they've got, you know, a, a great opportunity to kind of correct some of those issues. And I'll be curious to see if they're able to do it. You know, one thing uh, that, that uh, here's a bold prediction. Uh, you know, one thing that's a little overdue here is, is a Kool-Aid McKinstry touchdown on, on a punt return. You know, Kool-Aid started off super hot returning punts, uh, had a couple of monster games. 
And then uh, that sort of died off. And I think it's died off because teams are working hard to uh, keep Kool-Aid away from the big play, whether that's a, a short high punt or an out-of-bounds punt or, uh, or or something inside the 10-yard line. Uh, but it's been a while since we, we, we uh, got on our feet uh, for, for, for Kool-Aid, uh, you know, when, when he makes that first guy miss. I, I, I see uh, may, maybe not necessarily a big game, overall game, but, but just at least one big play. Uh, I think what Alabama needs Saturday, Clint, is a spark on the road. Uh, it just hasn't been there, and it can come from an early big play. Um, and and uh, we're sort of overdue for a Kool-Aid uh, touchdown. Yeah, that's very interesting that you say that. Let's see. Let's see if I can find it. Maybe yeah. Gibbs or Gibbs is a kick return. Either way, either I'll take either one. But but I, I predicted before the season Gibbs would return uh, multiple kicks for touchdowns, uh, and that hasn't happened yet either. So so one of those things I just have a sense that uh, Alabama needs needs a, a spark, and and it could come from special teams. Yeah, I don't think LSU's been great on special teams. I really don't. Um, and, and I think that that's an exploitable area. And yesterday. Kool-Aid, we, we talked to Kool-Aid, and he was asked about, you know, if, if he felt like that opposing teams were punting away from him nowadays. And his answer was this, I really don't know. I'm just back there trying to make sure I don't turn the ball over. And I, and I found that response interesting because sometimes I feel like that you reveal uh, what's going on behind the scenes. And I think that early on, even though he was making a lot of dynamic returns, he, he also put some on the ground, right? And... Mm-hmm. That was a huge concern for Alabama. I think that's been a huge point of emphasis. Hey, you don't necessarily have to go out there and win these football games for us with some, you know, punt return for a touchdown or some huge return. That's great if you can do it, but the priority has to be don't cost us any games. Don't put the football on the ground when our defense has just been out there and finally got a stop whenever it is that they did get a stop. I mean, obviously it was far enough out where they had to punt it instead of kick a field goal. Uh, so it was a, a pretty good drive on their part or pretty good you know, stop on their part don't hand their offense the football back and and you guys have to go right back out there on defense. But so I do think that that's interesting and I don't know how much that's affecting his aggressiveness and how he filled some of these punts, even though I, I haven't really gone back to look, it's something that I haven't been paying attention to, but just based off that response, I kind of had wondered if it was like, Hey, just filled the thing, you know, just catch it, make sure we get it when, when the opportunity does present itself and you do have a, a chance to return, certainly do it, but don't do anything over the top. Just, you know, Filled the filled the punt. I don't know. We'll, we'll kind of. I, I might go back and try to see if I've noticed anything in the last few games as far as his punt returns. Now he's playing them. Maybe it's nothing, but it is something to note. And you're 100 percent correct. You're not really getting any turnovers from your defense. Uh, at least not the kind that puts points on the boards. It's really nice. You know, Stetson Bennett could tell you because last year Georgia's defense, man, Stetson would blink twice and Georgia's defense has handed him two touchdowns. And now he's up 14 points, or he was down seven. Now he's up seven. And it was just, it makes your job a lot easier as an offensive guy, especially a quarterback. When you go out there and you're like, man, defense is taking care of me. Haven't gotten a whole lot this year out of Alabama's defense. I do think they're coming against Mississippi State. They were really close on several interceptions. And you would like to see those, you know, complete, you know, Kool Aid. DeMarco Hellams almost had one. Uh, there were several that almost were, were turnovers. And unfortunately they weren't able to convert maybe they'll start and maybe they can start helping the offense on that front but if you're not getting it from your defense another way to create that is through kick return or punt return special teams and so hopefully they're able to get something like that you know going and i certainly think that it could really take a lot of pressure off of this alabama team you know if you can generate that kind of spark 
all this anxiety that we're talking about that Alabama has been dealing with immediately just, you know, falls right off. It's not as much of an issue when you're doing things like that. Well, and, you know, the special teams play at Tennessee. I said when Alabama lost Tennessee, I said, for all that happened in that game, and it was an eventful game, we could bring up this play or that play or this play. I think the, the play that defined the game, the, the play that cost Alabama the game, was the punt return, the, the flub on the punt return, the miscommunication between Kool-Aid and Quandarius Robinson, and Quandarius touched a dead ball that, that, that he thought was live, and, uh, and, and Tennessee not only recovered, costing Alabama possession, gave LSU a, 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 a touchdown, um, and, and, you know, ended up being a difference in, in a game. that could have been a 14-point swing in a three-point game. Uh, I think it would be ironical. <laughs> uh, I think it would be uh, fitting if it was a special teams playing Baton Rouge that won Alabama the game. And uh, Alabama is overdue for a punt return touchdown from Kool-Aid or a kick return touchdown from Jameer Gibbs. Uh, one, one of those things is, is due to happen. And uh, Alabama's sort of owed by the special teams gods. So, uh, you know, I, I like Alabama to win the game. Uh, I have it at, at 35-24. Uh, that's really kind of dead on or close to the spread. It's close to the over-under number. It's close to what Vegas says is going to happen. I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I just worry, Clint, that uh, even though I've got Alabama winning the game by 11, uh, I think it's a close 11. I don't think it's a game that Alabama's ever really comfortable with until you do the math with about three or four minutes left. And, and it's like, oh. Alabama's up by two scores. Uh, that, that'll probably do it with three or four minutes left. Uh, I, I think it'll be that that sort of a game, not 35-24, where you're uh, talking about Ole Miss game, uh, you know, at the start of the fourth quarter. Now, I, I think it's a uh, it's an 11-point win when you're really happy to see those zeros on the clock. <laughs> it's, uh, it's funny that you say that. Um, you said 35-24? Yeah, that's right. 34-24. That's where I got it. Uh, yeah, and and just to me, you know, you, we agree. You, we agree a lot. We do, yeah, and that just that falls right in line. And to me, you know, I look at it and I say, I've been picking Alabama to cover the spread on the road a lot this year, and I've been wrong a lot this year because I keep thinking this is their chance to make that statement. This is going to be the game they're going to turn things around. In Arkansas, things very quickly, you know, with, with Bryce, it's kind of hard to tell. You know, it looked like okay, this that was that statement game. But then when Bryce went down, everything changed. Kind of, you know, you didn't know how bad the injury actually was. The team, things started to fall apart like they did in a lot of these road games. And I just wonder how different things would have been as far as the mentality of the team had Bryce not gotten hurt. They continue to keep the foot on the on the gas, completely route Arkansas, don't allow that comeback, and they just make this huge statement against a top 25 team on the road. Could that have you know, really saved some of these issues uh, as far as things falling apart? Could that have given them so much needed confidence? And LSU provides another opportunity to right the ship here. But I'm I'm kind of tired of assuming that that's going to happen. And and I can come up with a thousand reasons why it's going to. Hey, they're coming out of the bye week. They've really focused on getting some of these things corrected. The anxiety and stuff that's been addressed is being acknowledged. It's focusing on, you know, what are you going to allow yourself to think about? Nick Saban talked about that being a huge point of emphasis during the bye week um what are you going to attach yourself to is i guess the way that he put it so i just i feel like that until alabama actually shows it shows that they're willing to that they're able to be that team on the road i'm probably gonna 
pick against them as far as, you know, you got a 13, 13 and a half point spread, almost two touchdowns on the road at night in a very hostile environment against a really good football team. I don't think they're necessarily top 10. Uh, I think they're more top 20, but still top 20 football team. I mean, Alabama struggled against a lot less, right? So until they actually show it, I'm willing to give them, you know, a 10 point victory, you know, 34, 24, but I'm not willing to go as far as having them cover the spread. So Jimmy, Final thoughts as far as, you know, some big things you're looking out for in this matchup or, you know, any, any just any kind of final thoughts that you have on the game going into Saturday? Yeah, well, Alabama's a better team. Uh, I think uh, reasonable LSU fans would agree. Uh, and by that, I mean, L- Alabama's got more good players than LSU. Alabama's got Bryce Young. Alabama's got Will Anderson. Alabama's got Nick Saban. Uh, Alabama just has more good players than LSU has. And if they were playing on a neutral field uh, and they played 10 times, uh, I think Alabama would win eight or even nine of the 10 times. I I really believe that. I think a lot of reasonable LSU fans would, but here's the deal. Uh, Number one, LSU is playing really well. They're playing their best football of the year. Uh, Their last two wins have been their best wins and the performance against uh, Ole Miss was their best of the season. Uh, Number two, no reasonable Alabama fan can look at the road performance this season or last season, uh, take the two together, and, and, and it's obvious that Alabama struggles to play well on the road. They don't just struggle to win. They struggle to play well. And LSU is too good, Clint, uh, to beat if you don't play well. You, you have to play well to win the game. If Alabama plays the game it's capable of playing, and cuts down the mistakes, cuts down the penalties, doesn't have turnovers, doesn't have uh, crazy mental errors, uh, then then Alabama wins this game and might even win it by two touchdowns, like Vegas says. But if you go down there and commit these errors, you don't play well, LSU's more than good enough to beat you. So uh, Alabama wins this game unless they hand it to LSU. Uh, The scary thing to me coming off this Halloween holiday the scary thing to me, Clint, is Alabama has proven very capable of handing home teams a win. Uh, but I, I don't think that will happen. I think a healthier Bryce is a more confident Bryce and a more confident Alabama football team. And Alabama wins 35-24. Again, a closer game than that score sounds. This is one Alabama's going to have to sweat uh, for 50-plus minutes. Yeah, and to me, it comes down to, you know, a lot of what you just said. I think cutting down on turnovers on the road, even though, I mean, Tennessee wasn't that – in fact, I think they finished positive in the turnover margin on the road, but avoiding the costly turnovers like they have, you know, in some games. uh, It's limiting the penalties. It's limiting the uncharacteristic, unnecessary mistakes. If they can get those things cleaned up, I think that pretty much even just that can be enough to win this football game. But at the same time, I also think that, you know, a huge advantage for Alabama, Alabama's pass rush against LSU's offensive line. Like I said, two true freshman tackles. You've got a very, very veteran group. Um, you know, Will Campbell, is he Kelvin Banks, the, the, the Texas left tackle, who I thought had a pretty good game against Alabama. We talked about the youth on their offensive line and how Alabama would exploit it. Quinn Ewers came out of nowhere and really dialed up some things early and, and really kind of, Texas limited the amount that Alabama could put pressure on him before he got hurt. 
Will LSU be able to do the same? I, I don't know, but I think that right now going in, it's advantage Alabama on that front. I think them getting back Garrett Dellinger, who has been their starting left guard. I think he started the first five games, four or five games he got hurt. He was that left guard that was out against Tennessee. Um, he's been out. He's expected to maybe be back. That is the hope. If that happens, they move Miles Frazier, who's been starting at left guard, back over to right guard more than likely for Anthony Bradford. I think that, you know, uh, Dellinger has been their best pass blocker. So I really think that helps their offensive line if he's able to return. But I will still be curious to see the interior of Alabama's offensive line, or excuse me, defensive line, defensive front, and how they are able to generate pressure from the interior as well. I think they can also find some creative ways. I think LSU, they've got a quarterback who can put strain on you with his legs, but he can also distribute the football. He's got, you know, two kind of bigger body, you know, perimeter threats and Brian Thomas Jr., and Jeray Jenkins. He's got a guy who can play inside and out, Malik Neighbors. You've got maybe Jack Beck coming back, who's going to be kind of that wide receiver, tight end, hybrid type player. Kayshawn Butte, we saw what he did two years ago as a true freshman in this matchup. Certainly capable of putting up monster, uh, a monster performance. Need to keep an eye on him. Uh, and then, you know, if your album is offensive line, especially their tackles, got to keep an eye on that LSU pass rush. Like I said, BJ Ojolari has been one of the premier pass rushers in college football. Harold Perkins, who was the number one linebacker in the country in 2022, five-star prospect, originally committed to Texas A&M, flipped LSU. He has been a terror. You know, I think his last six games, he's had 20 pressures. Uh, you know, not a big guy, 6'2", 220. You know, at least as a backup at at the Leo position, the Jack position, and at, at linebackers. So the guy can get moved around quite a bit. Keep an eye on him. Alabama's tackle play needs to be solid. They've gotten good pass protection from J.C. Latham. Got to get Tyler Steen back to, you know, putting up good performances as well, even though this will be a difficult matchup. So there's a lot to look out for, and it's going to be a tough test. But ultimately, I think Alabama gets the win. I think you're correct on Bryce Young. Him being, you know, two more weeks removed from that shoulder injury and being able to rest his shoulder and now start to ramp some things up. I don't think you get as much, you know, shoulder fatigue in this game is maybe you did the Mississippi State, so I think that's important. So, uh, yeah, I feel good about Alabama's chances to win, but it's going to be a difficult matchup. So, Jimmy, do you have anything else? Uh, not really. Uh, I think we covered uh, covered it pretty well, getting a good team. Uh, I look for Bryce to have a big game. You know, LSU's not quite as good against the run as they are against the pass, so that's interesting. Does that mean Alabama's going to come out intentionally trying to build a ground game here because – Maybe LSU has struggled. I don't think so. I, I, I think you just do what, what you do best, and that's Bryce. And uh, Alabama may have some nice run numbers in this game. I feel it will be the result of running the ball off the pass, the pass setting up the run, uh, LSU having to be so conscious of, of dealing with Bryce Young in the pass game that maybe a few uh, big play uh, big plays in the run game catch them all by surprise. But I, I think this is Bryce's game, and uh, it, it would be fun. If one of the uh, younger receivers, whether it's JoJo Earl or, or, or Kobe Prentice or uh, Isaiah Bond, one of those three, it'd be fun to have one of them go off in this game just simply because uh, I, I can feel a, a three or 400 yard game from Bryce coming on here. Yeah, completely agree. And, and from Bill O'Brien's perspective, don't be as predictable. You know, down and distance situations, the type of run plays that you're doing, especially on early downs, to me, it's been too predictable. Get more creative, get more variance in there keep defenses off balance. I don't think he's done a good enough job of that at times. And I think that that's been a huge point of, of, of emphasis during the bye week, but also it's just executing what you're asked to execute. So it's on the players, it's on the coaches. Let's find out how much they've, uh, you know, corrected 
on a lot of these issues during the bye week. If they have, they're certainly one of the best teams in the country. Obviously, the college football playoff committee agrees having them at number six, and they'll get a chance to prove it over these next two games. So uh, it's going to be fun to watch because, you know, right now there is no more room for error. You know, you drop one of these and, and you're pretty much done. You know, if LSU wins this weekend, LSU is in great shape. You know, because they only have the one SEC loss. They would have beat Ole Miss. They would have beat Alabama. A lot would have to go wrong for LSU to not represent uh, the SEC West in in the SEC championship. So keep an eye out for that. And once again, Jimmy, always appreciate you hopping on here with me. This is always a lot of fun. Glad we were able to, to squeeze it in a couple of days later than we normally do. But like I said, that was more because we're looking forward, not backwards. And uh, we'll be back next week on Monday, like we typically are, uh, recapping, hopefully, what is an Alabama victory? So appreciate you hopping on here with me, buddy. Oh, fun stuff as always. Uh, looking forward to a review show. And uh, hopefully Alabama will be halfway through this gauntlet. It's two games, but it's a gauntlet. Made the point earlier today on the Talk of Champions message board. USC's a top 10 team. Just my opinion, they wouldn't beat LSU and Baton Rouge and Ole Miss and Oxford in back-to-back games. They just would not. I don't know that they'd win either game, but they, uh, I don't think they could win both. And, and that just shows that uh, what Alabama's being asked to do here, uh, not 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 every top 10 team can pull this off. It's tough. It is. It's very tough. Yeah, you're 100% correct. It's been a brutal road schedule. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, before we hop off here, hey, do us a favor. Go leave us a, uh, leave us a five-star review uh, wherever you leave your review on podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, that helps us. Leave us a nice review that we can show the bosses and say, hey, this is worth uh, putting our time and effort into. The, the 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 listeners really enjoy it, and it's doing well. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. Also, go sign up for Bama Insider team coverage content from Jimmy and myself, recruiting content from Joseph Hastings, and of course the uh, legendary Andrew Bone. And then you also get a lot of YouTube stuff from Kyle Henderson, Mick Gillespie, and a lot of those guys as well. We got a great team going on right now. Got a lot that's being covered. Only, what is it, you know, $4 for a year, $1 for four months, and all the way up through the next football season, I believe? Yeah, I think $10. $10 gets you all the way to next football season. Uh, and, and I think if you sign up for it now, uh, you'll you'll be shocked uh, by, by the, the magnitude of the site by, by next football season. You'll be shocked. what, what you're, pay- you're, you're, you're paying for more than you think you're paying for, even with just $10 all the way through next football season. It's a crazy good deal. If, if every day you want to know, okay, what exactly is going on with my favorite football program today? Sign up for Bama Insider. $10 all the way to next football season. That's crazy. Yeah, my, my old boss uh, at my 9 to 5 used to say, what a deal. And that's, that's <laughs> the definition of that. What a deal. Uh, go sign up now. Certainly uh, going to be already got great team coverage going on. Uh, Jimmy's pr- provided some excellent content on the message boards. Recruiting stuff has been amazing both from Bone and Hastings this week. I love reading their pieces. So definitely get in on the action. Join in on the Talk of Champions message boards. It's a great community, tons of activity, tons of posters. We're having a great time. So, Jimmy, as always, I appreciate you hopping on here with me once again. This is Clint Lamb, and you're listening to the Bama on 3 show.